Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. of A Tiny Revolution. My name is Kevin. I am your host and curator up in this bitch. And I'm happy to be back with you for another phenomenal episode of the show that I've been doing for now over like three years. No. When was my first Wild Goose Festival? It was October uh, or, or summer 2016, I think. And so that means that 2016, 17, 18, 19... 2025 years. I've been doing this podcast for five years now. Wow, girl, she doesn't do math. Um, but it's been it's been so fun, and we're coming up like we're we're starting to inch closer to 200 episodes, and it just blows my mind that y'all have been listening for that long, and we have actually had amazing guests on here. Um, if you haven't gone back through the archives and listened to some of the stuff from way back in the day, I would implore you go listen to some of them. We've got folks like Nadia Bowles Weber, Austin Channing Brown. Um, Austin Hartkey. Um, it's really, really been fun. And so like, um, as you're listening to those old ones, let me know, like, who would you love to have back on the show? Who would you love to have me interview? Because I'm always looking for new and upcoming voices because, you know, that's what we do here. I'm having fun doing this. So thank you for being a part of it. Today on the podcast, I'm excited to be talking with my new internet friend, Ray McDaniel. Ray McDaniel, A, uses pronouns they, them, and is a licensed clinical professional counselor and is a certified sex therapist. And they are the founder and CEO of Practical Audacity and Genderfuck. As a gender and certified sex therapist, they work with folks feeling anxious and lost about the transition they're experiencing in sex, gender, sexual identity, or relationships. They help folks uncover more of who they are so they feel confident in their own skin, providing the support they need from going, you know, from feeling broken and alone to part of the community. They got their master's in counseling from DePaul University and uh, clinical internships with Heartland Alliance International Faces. Um, And, you know, is they're truly just like an incredible human. They're queer, non-binary, pleasure positive sex therapist, coach and educator personal development junkie, lover of cheese, coffee, brunch, dancing it out, and a fellow adventurer. So please, if any of that feels delicious to you, get your ass something to drink right now. Um, right now, I'm, I need to go get some tea, maybe some LaCroix. Not sure. It's the afternoon where I am. But wherever you are, please enjoy this conversation with my friend, Ray McDaniel.
because um, I I need to eat. So I am the least professional podcaster in the world, and I, I don't care. Support it. It's fine. <laughs> so where where are you in the world, Ray? I'm in Chicago. A cute little town. I might be coming yeah. through your town this summer. Oh, nice. Well, Hopefully. come say hi if you do. Where I are you will. Located? Um, I'm located in Atlanta. Okay. So if you're ever down in the South, please know. I've got a spare room with actual furniture and bedding. Wow. I know. So adult. I know. Who knew that, um, you know, ex-missionary, you know, lost, you know, it's like all the things. Uh, but like now we're like, you know, living our best life and we're all successful. Look at us go. I love it. So, Ray, for the humans who don't know you, I've loved stalking your shit. <laughs> and getting to know you just like from your posts and like learning about the work you do. But how do you introduce yourself um, to other people? So I say that I'm a gender and sex therapist, coach and educator, and I work with trans and non-binary folks who want to transition their gender with less suffering and more ease. Mm-hmm. I do that in a few different ways. So I own a group therapy practice in Chicago called Practical Audacity, where I have about 16 therapists that work for me who are all queer and trans competent. That's fucking dope as shit. Thank you. Yeah, we're very excited about all the growth that we've been experiencing. Um, I also run an online group coaching community called Genderfuck the Club, Genderfuck with No You. How where... do I join? Because that sounds sensational. <laughs> You've got a new client already. Look at you go. Awesome. Yeah, you can always check it out at genderfuck.club, genderfck.club if you're interested in that. And I also do speaking and training for businesses, medical, mental health, and wellness professionals to provide training affirming environments and care. Mm, absolutely incredible. Now I want to know a little bit about about you and like um what was your uh what was your life growing up cuz like it's like one of two stories we typically run into is just like my family's dope, no big problems or you know, I had to really like create something for myself. So what's uh what's your life been like? It was the latter of those options. Mm -hmm. So I had a very strange upbringing. I grew up as the adopted kid of evangelical Southern Baptist missionary puppeteers. Oh, the thing is, I know exactly who you're talking about because. Do you? Oh, I know. Like the thing is like puppet, the, the puppet ministry in my church. Absolutely. Every single summer for VBS. I know all about puppet ministry. It is. A, a like a subculture of a subculture that niche, if niche, you know niche. it, you know it. And I, a lot of the people who listen to my podcast also know it, so you're in good company. Oh my gosh. Hello, everybody. I never meet you. Um, <laughs> everybody's like, what? What are puppet missionaries? Like, well, here we go. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so sorry. I'm sorry. I shouldn't laugh. It's, uh, it's one of those things where it's just like, I just know it's like equal parts like, from 5,000 feet, it looks kind of funny. Up close, so tragic. But anyways, let me stop. Keep it's going. <laughs> so grew up as the child of puppeteer missionaries. We traveled around the U.S. for five years full time. I lived in motels and race car trailers and finally a motorhome, thankfully. And then I went to college in East Texas at, again, tiny, literal, little conservative 
Southern Baptist College because I didn't know any better at the time. Oh, yeah. We, ne- we never do. <clears throat> we never do. And I got there and surprise, surprise, my best friends quickly became the theater kids who were the only out-ish gay right. kids on campus because you could get expelled for being mm-hmm. out at that school and mm. started to watch their journeys of right. coming out, of figuring out their identities in this super oppressive environment. And it wasn't out to even myself at that time. I had a lot of other stuff to work through first, but decided that I wanted to work with the LGBTQ population as a therapist. So I went to grad school in uh, Chicago, where I still am, Mm -hmm. and focused my work immediately on working with the LGBTQ population. And pretty much as soon as I got to Chicago, the closet doors just kind of flung open and I came out as queer to my friends from college who were not surprised at all, and to my family, which again, was the latter of the the two examples that you used. Right. It didn't go well, as you can imagine, Mm -hmm. and still continues to not go well. That Mm -hmm. relationship is is very complicated and very strange. Yeah. You and maybe a lot of your listeners can imagine. Mm -hmm. Um, And then, I'm sorry, interrupted. Go ahead. No, I was just going to say, like, yeah, like, that is – I talk to so many humans, um, both just like on social media and like through um, just my work as a coach as well. Like it is really something to start like learning how to like, nobody is brave enough to actually do that. We just do it anyways, you know? Yeah. Yep, exactly. It's not about being brave. It's just about my own mental health. And right. needed for them to at least know this part of myself, even if they aren't going to ever accept it. Question to that, because mm-hmm. I've actually had a few people recently. There's been a conversation on Twitter. I made the comment that basically if you are, uh, I used to be really, really big into uh, church, I want not church advocacy, but like my whole focus was like, I want to create policy change within non-affirming churches in order to move the bar forward. The evangelical church is a 2000, no, it's a only a, like an 80 year old beast, but it's not, it'll die before it changes. Yeah. Um, but some people, uh, I was just saying like, if you're a straight person in there and you're not working for change, like you need to leave. And then I got this pushback from a few different queer people on the internet who were like, just like, well, you know, sometimes there aren't other places to go. And I'm like, so you would rather stay in a non-affirming space where you are either hiding or you are actively punished for being who you are rather than believing or even imagining that there could be something even a little bit better. Yeah. You know, I think it's such a complicated thing because I I can see both sides. And Mm -hmm. I think having been in it, I know how much of a bubble it is. And right. depending on where you live, there there might not be geographically mm-hmm. somewhere for you to go. And community is really important. And if you feel like there's no other option, I understand on one level the choice to stay. But I'm with you. I think that a lot of people assume 
that there are no other options and there are. And I Mm -hmm. think that we can imagine more and that there are spiritual spaces that are affirming and that Mm -hmm. will see you for who you are. On the flip side of that, again, I've worked with people even in Chicago who are a part of conservative churches that they have been in for 20 years, who even people who worked in churches who were trans but were closeted in that area of their life because the risk to Hmm. lose that community was so great to them that the most authentic and albeit nuanced thing for Mm -hmm. them to do was to remain closeted in that area of their life to keep that community and to explore their trans identity and other areas of their life. Yeah. Complicated. So complicated. Yeah. It just like, it, it just, uh, do you know, are you, are you an, an Enneagram nerd at all? Do you speak Enneagram? I, a, a tiny, tiny bit. Long I'm an eight. Or same. Two. No, actually, so I was just speaking of Enneagram nerds. One of my friends is an Enneagram nerd and Perfect. thinks I'm a three. So I'm exploring if I'm a three rather than an eight. Could be like, I am, um, this is me totally plugging my friend's book, Dr. Jerome Lube, who wrote the book, The Whole Enne- or the Brain-Based Enneagram. Um, the idea is basically you're not just one number, you're all of them just working in different capacities. And so huh. I like the approach. So for me, like my seven and my eight are like, separated by less than 1%. You know, I didn't, you know, anyways, I'll cut it in post. Um, but I... I also sometimes like go back and forth between that three and that eight thing because mm-hmm. the eight part of me that's really strong is it's like I it's it's the false notion that I know what's best for you <laughs> you know <laughs> yeah. the false notion that just because I have done my work and like I've arrived at a place of peace that my peace is going to look like yours and it does come from this motivation of of love of just like I I don't want you to be anywhere where you have to hide because that sounds terrible to me. Mm -hmm. And um, at the same time, it's like, that's not my business. You know, it's like, I have to like, if people are going, people are going to go where they're going to go. And like, all I can do is, you know, give them the space to make their own fucking choices. Yeah, exactly. And same, like my piece is found in being very openly who I am. Mm-hmm. and not hiding a thing. And when I go home to my Southern Baptist puppeteer missionary parents, I do shove it down a lot. Of oh, time. dude, same. Because it's okay that I say, choice. dude, do you like, is that yeah, okay? Or no, that's okay. fine. Cool. That's fine. Um, but the choice becomes, do I keep it peaceful and pleasant and mm-hmm. spend these three days every year and a half that I do with my parents? Or do I stand up for myself mm-hmm. and speak my truth? And sometimes I choose, you know, choice Mm -hmm. A, and sometimes I choose choice B, depending on where I'm at at that Mm -hmm. point. Yeah, I'm the same way. It's I call it the price of admission. It's like, you know, it's going to cost me so much to be around here. Am I willing to pay that right now? Um, Mm -hmm. But I'm also the same way. I have a 72-hour rule. After that, I'm just like, my, my patience is gone. My grace is running thin, and I'm like... I think I'm disassociating now. I should get out of here soon. <laughs> yeah. There's something about that three days. I'm like, yep, no more than 
three days and yeah. always have a car. Oh my God. And if you can stay elsewhere and like not at the home. I found like, I stayed at like truly like just $30 a night motel. Did it smell like cigarette smoke? Sure. But was I sleeping on an air mattress in my mom's craft room? No, I was not. <laughs> Always a plus. Yeah. So you are a therapist who has amazing, obviously, like, you know, 17 therapists. Yeah, there's who a work. bunch of us. <laughs> That's so fucking wonderful. And what a resource to have. Um, and two, you uh, you coach. And like one of the things I saw like someone else post was just, I think it was like a story you posted. It was just like, yeah, raise the kind of person who doesn't let me like put up with my own bullshit. Yep. Um, so talk to me about like how, when you're coaching people through your process, like what's kind of the, you know, don't give the secret sauce away, obviously, but like, what is the way that you approach that? And how do you help people through that? Yeah, that's a, a really good question. So yes, there, I do tend to be, my clients would, I think, call me a compassionate challenger. So I always start with affirming people for where they're at and the coping skills that have allowed them to survive this thus far. Right. And the way I approach it is simply saying, hey, your coping skills that you've used were smart. No matter what they are, they came about for a reason and they have kept you alive and safe up until today. And maybe they're not working for you anymore. Maybe the things that got you here won't get you there and where you want to go. Mm-hmm. So when I compassionately challenge, it is about saying, well, what are the things that are no longer working for you that are actually holding you back mm-hmm. from where you want to go? And I spend a lot of time thinking about, you know, you brought up imagination earlier, right. imagining where somebody wants to go. Mm-hmm. My whole shtick is that gender transition in the, the cultural narrative that we have, it often centers suffering at right. its very, very core yes, of yes, it. Yes. And that that's for a reason, right? That didn't come from nowhere. And that is a lot of people's story. Mm-hmm. But I think that we can imagine more for yes. ourselves than that. And gender transition can feel like self-growth and curiosity and have joy and pleasure integrated into it. So I talk a lot about, well, what is your why for transitioning beyond gender transition? Mm-hmm. So we're not transitioning as the point we're transitioning so that we don't have to think about gender all the time hello yes yeah so holding on to that why and then helping them figure out what coping skills are going to get you to that place that you're imagining Mm -hmm. and then calling people out on ways that they're limiting themselves Mm -hmm. barriers that they might be putting up for themselves Mm -hmm. And that's a super nuanced thing. And I, I talk about it from the frame of learned helplessness, which if you've oh, yeah. read any of those studies, there's a mouse in a cage, poor little mouse gets shocked if they walk across the cage, there's no place to escape. And eventually that mouse just kind of lays down and freezes, which mm-hmm. is a, a smart thing for the little mice brain to do. But the problem is that when a door to the cage is opened, that mouse that has frozen won't go through it. 
Mm-hmm. They think that there's no way out when there is. Yes. And my work is around saying maybe there is a door that you haven't considered. And <sighs> let's figure out how to get you through that. Yes. Because it's it's the thing about it is, is like once you have the imagination or even like your desire kicks in and says, okay, I want this. I want something other than what I have right now. It's almost just like, so in my mind's eye, I see it. I can imagine it. But I don't know how the in-between. And because mm-hmm. I can't see the in-between, because I can't see the path forward that is not devoid of suffering, great suffering, I'm not going to yeah. take it because the body is trying to keep me alive and the ego is trying to keep me alive by saying, this could kill you. This could be really, really hard. You could be alone. You could be all those things. Yep. But it really is like that thing of like, oh, it's almost like our, our, the fear of like all the thoughts we have about our past have created this prison for ourselves that we're like holding the key in our hand and like we're running around searching for the way out, but we never slow down enough to realize that our key is in our hand. That's me and my ADHD running around the house on my phone saying, where's my phone? You know? <laughs> yep. I but know, sometimes it's like sure. that, that free, like being able to introduce people even just to the possibility is probably my favorite part of this kind of work of saying like, what if? Sure, it hasn't happened before, but what if What if now? What if this time? Yeah, and I, I love that metaphor. And that's exactly it, right? Running around and you have the key in your hand the whole time. And the what if, too, I, I love that because most of the time, my clients are spending mm. a lot of time saying what if, but what if this horrible catastrophic thing that I'm imagining happens? Right. The worst possible scenario. Yeah, the worst possible thing that could happen and not, well, what if this goes really well? What Mm -hmm. if I'm really happy at the other side of this? Hello. Yeah. And so to give you a, a little bit of a concrete example, one thing I see a lot is that people are very, very fearful of, I don't know what the outcome of step 10 is going to be. And Mm -hmm. we'll use, say, starting hormones, for example. Mm -hmm. I don't know what the outcome of me starting hormones is going to be. Therefore, I'm going to get stuck in my head about it and never take a single step forward because my brain is trying to protect me from additional suffering by controlling. Well, if I can't 100% say I know what is going to happen, then I can't move forward. Mm Mm-hmm. And my challenging and pushing is going to be, okay, well, you're missing some information. Instead of trying to figure out what step 10 is, why don't we focus on step one? Why don't Mm -hmm. you make an appointment with a doctor and ask the doctor your questions? That's Mm -hmm. a good, good information. I know. It's, it's, it's that truly, it's just like, you know, it's like seeing down a spiral staircase. It's just like, you will see the next steps when you get there. And mm-hmm. like, it, like the something that I, I, I like to think about a lot is there is <clears throat> this like fear that happens when we are focusing so much on our past and also like trying to peer into the future and trying to like, you know, um, almost like shape it or like rather than like just being here and shaping this moment and this time, because like it's like. Again, like, what's going to lead me to more pleasure and more joy, you know? And you know what? That appointment, that first step, 
could has the potential, high potential for leading me towards more joy, more pleasure. Yes. I'm so glad that you said that. And I think this is where my work kind of, there's a Venn diagram with my work as a sex therapist and it's all around Mm -hmm. pleasure and joy, exactly what you're saying. Mm -hmm. Because when you take that first step, you get to do a body check of, does this bring me joy? Does this bring me pleasure? How am I feeling right now? Mm -hmm. And if the answer is yes, joy, yes, pleasure, then you take step two. If you Mm -hmm. don't feel that, then maybe you reassess, you look at the choice. Exactly. But it's so much information when you take a step and your body is like, fuck yes, like Mm -hmm. this is what we're doing. That, Mm -hmm. that is how you know what the next step in the spiral staircase is. Yes. And let me tell you what, and also like it might not be like a spiral staircase downward. It's probably a spiral (laughs) staircase. I think it's upward because oftentimes your legs get tired with everything, you know, you want to give up and just like, but the view is worth it, baby. The view is worth it. I love that. A hundred percent. I like you so much. So (laughs) So your work as a sex therapist, like I love to like, when you say like sex therapist, what does that mean? Because sex therapist could, I feel like can mean like a dozen different things. Yeah, so I mean it in the very technical sense of the word. So I am a, a certified sex therapist through ASECT, which is the national governing body of sex therapists. And it, it simply means that I do therapy about sex. Mm-hmm. That's it. There's there's no touching. There's, you know, it is therapy, mm-hmm. talk therapy about sex. Mm-hmm. It just means that I have a lot of additional training and supervision around working particularly with sex. I have additional training in Mm -hmm. biology and anatomy, all that good stuff that allows me to be able to Mm -hmm. speak with expertise about sex and sexuality. Yeah. I think what's also wonderful is like, I think there needs to be more queer sex therapists out here because, um, I mean, no shade, no tea to like the, like the sex coaches and sex therapists that you see on the Instagram, but it's like Mm -hmm. very cishet out there and a lot of like heteronormativity. And I'm like, cause like for me, like, I was thinking back to like my, the first time I ever had sex, I didn't know that uh, if I'm having sex with another human who has a penis and we're doing uh, uh, anal sex, you should probably have lube. Didn't know a thing about that. Nobody educated me because I was, again, Southern evangelical and just like nobody, nobody told me. And so ended up not being my first time at all. Yep. I mean, it's a huge problem. I mean, even as somebody who identified as cishet for a a lot of my life, well, not a a part of my life, I should Mm -hmm. say, I didn't have that sex education either, like the Mm -hmm. most basic stuff. So you add on there any sort of queer identity. And yeah, it's most of us did not get the education that we need at all. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And the it's very uh, something I run into with people is like, especially as we get into like, I'm now 31 and I'm finally like getting really comfortable in myself and in my body and what I'm wanting. And I still have so many friends around me and people who like are like finding their way into these progressive or deconstructed faith circles who like it's like, oh, uh, I don't know how to ask for what I want or I don't know how to do healthy relationship because all we're ever taught is lack and co- codependency. Like my entire identity is built on either this group, the church over here, or on societies, what they think of me or what my family thinks of me or what, you know, 
whatever. And it really keeps us from asking just like, but what if I just liked myself for once? Or what if there was a group of people who wasn't trying to destroy me? It really keeps Mm -hmm. us like, you know, when we don't see it. And I think that like up until like maybe like recent history, we haven't been seeing it. Yeah, I completely agree. It's hard to imagine what you've never seen Mm -hmm. at all. And yeah, it, it is so easy. I think especially for people who go on to identify as queer and or trans, we're so used to shoving down all this stuff. And right. from a very, very young age, shutting down parts of ourselves because of safety. You know, mm-hmm. there are, are research studies that show that gender nonconforming behavior is seen in children as young as three and four. Mm-hmm. And then that behavior is punished in children as young or me. three or four. Yeah, it's so many people's story. And that means that from the age of three or four, you learn that parts of you are can't be seen and you have mm-hmm. to hide them. Mm-hmm. It makes it really, really hard to then tap into your body, tap into what you like, and to be able to communicate that. Mm-hmm. And a lot of what we're doing around pleasure and sexuality is reconnecting to that innate sense of mm-hmm. my friend – and this is a, another blatant uh, book kind of push, but my friend Put, Dr. Lucy Fielding wrote a book called Trans Sex. That's for clinicians, but talks about feel good, yes, or feel bad, no. And mm. just connecting to this very basic sense of I like this, I don't like this mm-hmm. is revolutionary for queer and trans folks, I think. Yeah, because let me tell you what that simple thing of like, being able to say to somebody, I do not want that um, in like more ways than one, not just like with uh, with sex. Because I think honestly, like, like when you learn, at least in my experience, when I learned how to talk about what I wanted in the bedroom, I was able to learn how to talk about what I wanted in every other area of my life, too. Yep. And that's the magic of the work that I do with mm-hmm. trans folks is it does spill over. Somebody starts recognizing, hey, I can feel good in this one area of my life. They develop skills around mindfulness. Mm-hmm. They develop skills around recognizing and tuning into pleasure. They develop skills around boundaries and self-efficacy and self-esteem and confidence. And suddenly, all these other areas of their life mm-hmm. look a little lacking and they start building congruence and all these other areas too, creating the life that they want, not just in gender, but it mm-hmm. spills over into the rest of their life. Mm-hmm. And I just think that's really beautiful. Ugh, it really is. Like that's, that's the money. It's also like my favorite moment is when somebody realizes it's like that aha moment of like, Oh, I've never thought of that before. Yeah. And it's like I love that moment. And it, and it's also what I like about like working with folks who are like kind of on the beginning of their journey is um it's so easy for me to forget the beginner's mindset, to forget mm-hmm. like what it is to be somebody who helps people from the beginning of the journey and what it is to be like I don't know, the helpers and healers of the world is like you really are going to find people on all parts of their journey. Mm-hmm. And uh, 
it's not below you. Like for me, I was talking to somebody the other day. It's like it's not below me to explain the ad, like the uh, the acronym LGBTQ to a, a mom who's starting out. Yeah, you know, definitely not. It, it's not, and I think there's. Uh, this is how I know I'm still. So I'm I'm not a Christian, but sometimes it comes out of my brain. And one of the things is, um, you know what? Never mind. Apparently, I cursed myself, and it's gone from my brain. Well, <laughs> If it's helpful, it'll come back. Um, so can I ask, like, for you, like, spirituality-wise, like, what kinds of, like, language or stuff? Because, like, growing up Southern Evangelical mm-hmm. is its own thing. And I know for a lot of us, like, I don't know, it just it doesn't feel safe to start using words like God or even, like, having some sort of faith practice because everything feels like a potential trigger or potential hurt. So I'm just curious, like, where are you at right now? Yeah, that's a great question. For me, so because not only did I grow up in this really oppressive environment, but there was also emotional and spiritual abuse growing Mm -hmm. up. And then after I was coming out, definitely. So faith practices that feel anything like Mm -hmm. what I grew up with, even if it is not the doctrine that feels similar, even if it's just the format, Mm -hmm. right? Singing and then some sort of sermon of some kind, Mm -hmm. that is really triggering to me. And it's something that I've recognized. And I can, from a 10,000 mile view, I intellectually know it is very, very different to be in a faith space that is affirming. Mm -hmm. And I 100% support and recognize the importance of those spaces and how healing they can be. And for me, what at this point in my life feels the safest is spirituality that is very, very different than that and Mm -hmm. usually more individual. So things that feel good for me now are, say, mindfulness and meditation, Mm -hmm. witchy things. Hell yeah. Like digging into astrology and tarot and Mm -hmm. things that are spiritual, but from a very pagan perspective Mm -hmm. that, at least at this point in my life, feels the safest to me. I love that. And I reserve the right to change my mind. You know, who knows what will feel good for me in the future. Mm -hmm. But that's just where I'm at right now. I'm in the same place. Like, I I don't call myself a Christian, and yet I still lead music at a queer-led, trans-led, black-led Baptist church. So riddle me that. (laughs) And But, like, it still is, like, it's, like, it's a church. Like, we do music, and there's a sermon, and it works for me. And I also tell people, I'm just, like, Come if you want to. And if you don't like it, like, just come for brunch afterward. That's like just, um, and there's like a, there's a part of me that's really trying to explore what would it look like to create spiritual gatherings that don't look like the things that we've known that look like, okay, we're going to get together and we're going to meditate for 15 minutes together. Someone might have a reflection about something, a lecture of some kind. Maybe we'll listen to poetry Maybe someone will play some music, but it's not going to be one of those things where we're like focusing it out like on a an individual or something outside of ourselves because it's like I think like this is like the the trick of like so much of like American uh, Western Christianity is like God's out here and actually God's also in these buildings. You better come find Him. Mm, and the yep. truth that things like tarot have taught me, 
that my meditation practice has taught me that, you know, dancing naked in, in the full moonlight has taught me is that God was never somewhere out there, but was always waiting for me to slow down and look inward. Slowing I down. That. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And I, I, I do. think, that, yeah. I was just going to say, I love that idea that of reimagining what a, a gathering that focus on focuses on spirituality could look like. I love that. I'd go to that. Yeah. I'm a, I'm a, we'll see what happens. There's like, I'm, I'm going on tour um, next month and going to a couple places and just bringing my friends like across all traditions to come in and like, let's see what happens. And then let's go um, dance and have a party because that is like, what, I can't remember who said it, that she said, if there's not dancing in the revolution, I will not be there. I completely agree. That sounds mm-hmm. so fun. I love that. Um, so I want to know now, the world's opening back up and um, places like LA or other places, I don't know what like vaccination rates are like in Chicago, um, but like how have you just been coping with like the world opening back up and all the anxieties that come with that complicated thing. Oh, it's, it's interesting. So I think I'm figuring it out on a few different levels. So work wise, it's been a, um, quite a process to try to figure out what I'm doing business wise without having any sort of certainty about what the world is going to look like in particular with telehealth, which is a huge thing for therapists right right now. And there's a lot of question marks about what is that going to look like? So because we've doubled the size of our business in the past year and a half, I had to sign a lease for a new space. So that's been a lot of change in navigating on a personal level. And I guess on a client level too, what I'm seeing is it has, the past year and a half has given me a lot of opportunity to connect more with myself. Things are just a little slower. You're not seeing people as much. There's not as much outside input. And I think that has led me to to get to know myself a little bit better. And all my social muscles have atrophied. So I feel so awkward around humans. And I... I just, I'm working my way into seeing more humans and I'm excited to do that. I really want to dance in a crowd of sweaty queers again. And also I think your sound cut out. I'm not- I, and I just muted my microphone. So yes, I was okay. saying, dude, that's it. <laughs> yeah, I want that. And I'm also nervous to do that. Mm. Um, I'm vaccinated, very lucky and yeah. privileged to have that. Um, so I feel a bit safer and mm-hmm. still want to be a good citizen and have everybody else feel safe as well. So whatever right. that means, I'm willing to do. But if yeah. people feel safe doing it, I, I want to dance around and crowd of sweaty mm-hmm. queers. Well, uh, I don't know if you can hop down to Atlanta anytime soon, but on Sundays, this is a non-spawn, but there's this queer dance party that happens. Um, it's an outdoor, like it's a, it's a parking lot that has been moved out and just like they put up a thing. There's a DJ. Everybody's real queer. Everybody's having a lot of fun and it's good music. And people there like to dance. 
Like, not, not the kind of, like, boring, like, club where, like, it's just all, like, the white gays on the side just kind of, like, looking at each other. <laughs> and it's, like, literally, it's, like, it's real queer people. Not that saying that gay white men are not real queer people, <laughs> but I'm, la- I'm saying... Um, I know what you mean. Excessively, li- luxuriously, opulently queer. Like... That's, that's the best descriptor I've ever heard. I'm yeah. going to steal that. Luxuriously that sounds queer. so fun. Luxuriously queer. I'm into it. Yes. If I am ever in Atlanta on a Sunday, I will hit you up. That sounds wonderful. It was, uh, and last week, uh, it stops at 10 o'clock and it ends with fireworks. And so. Obviously. So it's just, that's what, uh, that's what got me through. But then like the day after, like Monday, my whole body was like. I, I can't do anything now. I, I've, mm-hmm. I've given all of my energy in every form, physical, emotional, spiritual. Monday, I was just, just like, I can't do anything because it was like, I, I, I didn't realize, like, I keep, my therapist has been telling me, he's like, Kevin, recognize that you might have a decreased capacity for everything right now. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was, it's, I've been getting okay with that. Um, I don't know if, he, I don't know if you're the kind of person who, like if you get an opportunity, like you want to jump and say yes because you love things and doing things. Um, I've had to learn how to say no a lot and or I need to reschedule or not right now. I'm trying to learn how to work the phrase. I don't have capacity for that right now into my everyday language and get mm. more comfortable telling people no and yeah. figuring out what does balance look like as an extrovert, but an extrovert who needs a pretty significant amount of time away from other humans. I'm the same way. Like I, I have my dog. She is like the one, because she doesn't, she doesn't talk, (laughs) thankfully. Otherwise she would definitely have something to say, but she's been like, when I just need to get by myself and just like still have a presence. Like I also wasn't comfortable living by myself for a while because Mm -hmm. I just, I don't think I was really okay with myself. As much as it was like, it was like, oh, you live alone and you're 31 in the South and nobody wants to date you. You're a loser. And now it's yeah. like, no, I'm 31. I'm independent. I have a child now. She's under my desk right now. Um, also, like, I don't want to, I don't like, mm, let me not judge myself for calling myself a parent of a dog. I did not birth it, but it's a different kind you're of parent. still a parent. Okay? Thank you. Uh, I have uh, a pup too. We're definitely dog parents. It's just a different kind of parenting. Honestly, exactly. um, I want to ask you five questions that I ask every human uh, rapid fire ish when you can explain if you want to. Okay. Uh, it's just called one thing, but it's five questions. Are you ready? I'm ready. First question is, what's one thing you like about yourself? I'm really I'm going to use the word luxurious again. I'm luxuriating in my post top surgery body. Yes. Yeah, so I just got top surgery in congrats, December. Congrats. Thank you. And super happy. It makes summer so much easier. Who knew that not having boobs would be glorious and cool in the summer? Listen, it is. um, I just got comfortable with just taking my shirt off. So just like, listen, party head over. Um, We need to find some some rich person who has like a rooftop pool. That's what we need. That's doable. Yeah. So it's like, hey, if you're a rich, a rich queer out there who has a rooftop pool, call in. We're standing by. Call us. Um, what's one thing uh, that you're super proud of in your life? Right now, I am super proud of 
having, how do I put it? Having a home. And that may sound really basic, but I bought my first house in the past year and a half. Same. Look at us. Adults. uh, So adulting. Moved in with my partner. I got a dog. We have actual adult furniture and a plant room. And I love it. I love nesting in my little home. Mm -hmm. And that it feels like I have accomplished something in my life by having a place that feels Mm -hmm. like me, that I can call my own, that my family lives in with me. Mm -hmm. I totally agree. Especially for those of us who grew up in places where home was not a safe thing. Mm -hmm. I actually like, that was like a big part of like my work this past year is like, what does it mean for me to be at home or in home, both like in my body, but then also how do I, the space that I live in, it's a container for the magic of daily living. And so like, why not invest a little bit to put art on the walls? You know, why not get that stupid rug off of Instagram with a big fat rainbow on it? (laughs) I did. It was the best decision I ever made. And amazing. It really does wash in the washing machine. I'm not gonna lie. Non spawn, you guys. Just we're full of full of suggestions today. Um, what's one thing that really pisses you off or is like a pet peeve of yours? Hmm. I'm so many things. <laughs> what is a good one? Well, I think one super obvious thing right now that pisses me off is all the anti-trans legislation that's happening. Shh. Mm. that it just boils my blood. And, it's and it doesn't make any fucking sense. No, it does not make any sense. And it is just a reaction, in my opinion, to the fact that we are becoming more accepting as a society. There's more conversation about trans and non-binary yes, folks. Yes. And now we have this reaction to uh, try to put us in our place again, which is okay. not going to work. Nope. Because um, uh, I think that we like. I th- let me tell you what. If anything, this past you know year. Oh, I forgot that she has a squeaky toy now. This is also, ladies and gentlemen, and non-binary friends. Uh, this is what happens when you have an at-home studio and you don't have a dog sitter. It's just really hard being a single parent. Yeah, I have to hide all the squeaky toys when I do podcast. Yeah, a mistake. I usually don't give her this thing, but like my mom said, oh, you should give her this thing I got for her. And I'm like, all right, thanks, mom. Um, and she's now telling me she wants to go out. I'll, wow. The she, yeah. Anyways, <laughs> next question for you is what's something you're super dedicated to? I am really dedicated to trying to change the narrative of gender transition to one that centers suffering, to one that centers pleasure and joy. Mm. And I think when we are able to change that narrative, we're going to see what we described earlier, this increased imagination. And I think the journey from point A to point B, whatever Mm -hmm. point B is for somebody, can feel as good as possible every step of the way. And I Mm -hmm. think we can do it. And I think not enough people are talking about it. Yes. Like... Uh, Adrienne Marie Brown, Pleasure Activism. Sure, you got your hands on that already. For those of you who haven't, go get it. Go listen to it. It's phenomenal. Um, But I really do think, like, that is, like, pleasure and joy at the center of liberation 
is kind of the next, I don't want to say the next frontier, but it's just like, it's the present and it's the future. It's the moment. And when we recognize that, I mean, like love does not, love is not, love is not sacrifice, you know, Mm -hmm. love is generative, you know, love is expansive, not detracting. And so if you can, if we can center these narratives of just like, I mean, like being like a non-binary and like a faith person, like the thing that you said, I want to change the narrative that transitioning doesn't have to be about suffering, but can be about joy and pleasure. I'm like, more people need to hear that for every area of their life. Not just like, you know, a a gender transition or Mm -hmm. different sorts of things you need or want to do with your body. But like, man, if you can like focus on just like, you know, like, this part, your entire life does not have to be suffering. Yeah. And I feel like capitalism and Western bullshit and gender, like gender, like gender binary has done that to us. Oh, I like you so much. I'm not going to, I feel like you and I, like we could just like gush and talk about this shit for forever. So we'll have to do this again. We definitely will. And we should definitely hang out. Deal. The last question It's with one thing you want to do before you die. I would like to spend a significant amount of time in a foreign country. I would like to live, say, in Italy or Portugal or Spain Mm -hmm. just for at least a few months. But that sounds like a glorious thing to do. Hell yeah. We're going to do it. We're going to fucking do it. I, I like you so much, Ray. Thank you so much Likewise. for spending time with me this morning. And I'm so glad that uh, the devil did not stop us this morning. <laughs> I walked into this so office and I pleaded the blood. I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, but yeah, this was like, this was our like fourth attempt to get on the phone together. So I am I'm so pleased. And it was everything I expected and more because you're just, <sighs> you're kind of like, you're low key. I feel like you might low key be like, this like uh, like trans pleasure genius like there's just uh-huh. something about you that Thank just you. like i don't know that is an extremely high compliment i appreciate that and this has been super fun thank you so so much for having me yes we are definitely going to be friends and hang out now that's party happen party, and party. i knew when we had to reschedule for the fourth time that this was going to be epic and it was mm-hmm. yeah so let me tell you what y'all don't let the devil try to steal your joy and let you convince you that podcasting has to be suffering. Because guess what? <laughs> if you just keep trying, it can be joyful. Yes. I'm so sorry. Okay, um, tell humans on the internet where to find you, connect with you, etc. Well, you can find me on all the social media at Practical Audacity. You can connect with me on Instagram there. You can check me out at genderfuck, that's genderfck.club. Or if you're in Illinois and you want therapy, you can check me out at practicalaudacity.com. That was my conversation with Ray McDaniel. Like they said, you can find them across the internet at Practical Audacity and uh, at genderfuck.club. That's genderfck.club and uh, on their website, practicalaudacity.com. 
Um, Ray, again, thank you so much. What a what a very fun time. Um, unfortunately, I did not get to market days like I wanted to. I was just real tired at the end of my tour, and we never got to hang out. So I guess we'll have to see each other soon. I love you. See you soon. Okay, friends, thank you so much for listening to another episode of A Tiny Revolution. If you would be so kind as to rate and subscribe and share this podcast with somebody that you think would really, really like it, or maybe someone you think maybe needs to hear it, um, that's how the best way to uh, really share this work is you know, word of mouth and on your socials, etc., etc. Another thing you can do is uh, check out all of the other podcasts that we have with Irreverent Media. That's the podcast group that I'm a part of. And if you're at the Wild Goose Festival this weekend, we are actually having a live roundtable where we're going to be talking about deconstruction and media representation. So like, girl, get into it. It's going to be a fun, fun time. We hope to see you over there. If not, you can probably check it over here on this feed. Um, I'm stoked about it. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. Um, the other thing I want to say is that if you like this podcast and you want to go deeper, I want to invite you to become a part of The Crowded Table, an online spiritual community that I'm helping curate and build out, um, formerly known as like the Patreon community, but we gave it a little update, a little fresh take. There are some amazing perks that go along with being a member, including um, exclusive merch, week, uh, monthly workshops, a Discord channel to connect with other people who are going through the same journey of spiritual deconstruction and discovery um, and gender and queerness all of it so if you've been looking for a a safer place to uh, be with your spiritual self uh, come hang out with us on patreon.com slash the kevin garcia it's just 11 to 33 dollars a month and not only do you help make this podcast possible but you also help make all the other programs we have uh possible we also meet on Saturdays around 5 p.m. to do a little spiritual meditation service situation. I do a little bit of preaching. It's a lot of fun. You can join me on Instagram, YouTube, and Facebook every Saturday at 5. And also, if you're interested in doing coaching, you're at a place in your life where you're like, all right, I know that I am ready to start changing up my spiritual practices and I want to do it with other people, then you can go to thekevingarcia.com slash coaching and learn about the shit I do. And maybe we're a good fit. Set up a call with me. I'd love to talk more. That's all for me for this week. Thanks for tuning in. Uh, Till next time, please take your meds, call your person, shake your ass a little bit, eat something delicious, move your body in a way that feels good. Uh, Make sure you're masking in public when you can, Um, you know, get vaccinated. If you need help, reach out and make sure that you take a nap when you need to. It's tiring shit out here, y'all. We need as all the rest we can get. We will arrive when we arrive, but we're not going to arrive if we're exhausted. You know what I'm saying? All right. I love you. See you next week. Bye.